102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you react. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it this week. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it this week, do so. Just don't suck. Make the show better if you can. Get straight to the point. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, Make sure you check out and subscribe to the podcast. We drop it each afternoon. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcasts. And subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Uh, Even though I look like Shrek, it's a weird wall back there with graffiti on it and seems to be doing pretty well. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We drop that each afternoon as well. Uh, College football has a financial hierarchy. Okay, it has has several hierarchies, but certainly when it comes to finance. I have years called it the industry of professional college football. It's fake amateur athletics. Pretty much fake college students, too. Most of it is kind of fake. But it goes like this. There are the have-nots. I mean, really have-nots. And that would be, for example, Texas State or UTEP. I don't know why they came to mind, but they did. They're really the have-nots. Then you kind of get this group of sort of haves where there's some support. There's some history. Uh, They are credible big schools, and there's some alumni base. That's people like Houston, Baylor, Texas Tech. Go down the list. Then you have like the haves. I used to we used to call it the haves and the have-nots in college sports because there's never been a level playing field, and they don't want there to be a level playing field. But now we got a new level. So the haves, the haves would be those that are football factories that can make a lot of money, do make a lot of money, throw all the money back on facilities and stuff, even if they're in a poor state. These would be schools like Alabama or Oklahoma or Clemson. Right, These are poor states where the last thing that should be happening is the highest paid employees, the football coach, that kind of stuff. But these are haves. They care deeply about football. They'll throw anything they can and have at football. Then there's a new category, and it's small. And I don't know exactly what to call this category, so I'll just use Jeff Bezos as the example. This category is the Jeff Bezos is this. Yeah, that. Um, That's Texas. That's USC. That's USC and Texas. The Bezos is. is. That's like the .001%. So the have-nots are trying to catch on and have been catching on to the fact that the Jeff Bezos is, is that group. That one, the point zero zero one percent of the industry, that they have a ridiculous advantage. And so, you know, it's one thing for UTEP or Houston or Baylor to scream about it. It's another for Alabama or Clemson to scream about it because football really, really matters to them. And they don't like losing. And they don't like to admit the fact they're going to lose because the Jeff Bezos is, is are able to throw a bunch of money at guys they normally would get. And they don't like it. And they probably shouldn't. So the 0.001% have a ridiculous advantage. 
They're good at football. They care about football. See, that's a big difference that I think of people here all the time. You'd say, well, you know, okay, University of Texas has a bunch of money, thousands of acres of oil-producing land, blah, 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 rich alumni, blah, blah, blah. So does Cal. The difference is rich Cal alumni don't throw money at football. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's wealthy schools. There's schools with a powerful alumni base. And then there's one with that's super wealthy, super powerful alumni base that will throw money at football. Cal won't do it. They've actually got their priorities in order. So this group, the Bezos group, the 0.01%, they'll spend anything on football. Okay? The have-nots or the haves that say, oh, say Alabama or Clemson, here's the problem is what's bothering them right now. They can't make two phone calls. Texas can make two phone calls, really quick calls, and they get two and a half million in cash and a Ferrari that afternoon. It's going to take a long time in Alabama to get that. They don't like it. Texas can make the call, get the two and a half million in cash and the Ferrari, and the 17-year-old is done. He's there just like any one of us would have. So money is unlimited for the 0.001%, and that's Texas and USC, or USC and Texas, and maybe throwing A&M as well, except they've just spent all their money on this dude who left, who got fired, right? It's a little leaner right now because that guy got run off. Um, I, I think this plan they're going to try, they're trying, and they're trying to move pretty quickly, and it's not going to work. The plan is not going to do it. Uh, they, how they didn't see this coming is beyond me. I had been saying it all along. I've been making many of these predictions for several, several years that you're about to get into a game you can't control. You're about to pretend you're the NFL without the management skills of the NFL. You're about to act like you're in the NFL without any of the expertise of the NFL. The NFL is a bunch of smart owners who know the product well. College football is a bunch of bureaucrats who don't know the marketplace at all. And they're stuck in showbiz and they can't figure it out. They just know that Clemson and Alabama and Oklahoma and everybody in the South who cares deeply about football is waving their arms saying, you know that 17-year-old that we used to get? He just got a bunch of cash in a Ferrari just hanging out in Austin. And that's not fair and we want to do something about it. So... Here comes another bureaucratic group. I guess it's sort of the NCAA, which is basically your neighborhood association. That's all it is. You're like, you pay to be a member, and then you pay to have some rules, and then you also sort of pay to tell them to blank off. Right? You don't really... F when they tell you to do the hedges, you say, screw off. I'm not doing the hedges. But I want you to tell my neighbor to do their hedges. That's what the NCAA is. So, I think they're trying. Uh, I do. Um... Honestly, I can't think to be for a moral judgment, and I think you probably should have. I mean, wherever you went to school, if you went to school, I think you ought to care. I, I think some of this stuff ought to bother you. Uh, I can't think of anything less worthy of your money than a 17-year-old or a 21-year-old college football player who really doesn't even belong in that college to begin with. I'm not saying that kid is not playing well, and there's a bunch of people spending money all around him. I get that. I get the marketplace argument. But when it comes to you throwing your money at anything, I find it kind of weird that giving somebody a Ferrari because they're 17 and you want them to play football, I, 
I think that's a you problem. But can't solve that one. It is your money. It is your money. Do with it what you want. So um, any one of us, myself included, by the way, I came from that industry and I would have happily taken your money in your car. Absolutely. Probably would do it now if you wanted to throw it my way. So here's the plan and it's a nice try. Um, One day very soon, I think, this is going to get to a tipping point. And that is all the have-nots and the haves are going to say, that's enough, man. The Neighborhood Association is coming down on you because you're outspending everyone and it's not cool and we don't like it. That day is coming. I just don't know what form it takes and I don't know who's going to lead that because you know what USC and Texas and Texas A&M are going to say? Blank off. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to us? You know what? We don't want to trim our hedges. Get out of our face. That's what they're going to say. Uh, and then I don't know what happens. Maybe, maybe somewhere along the way. Somewhere along the way, unlike the NFL. You know, the NFL, here's what is uh, pretty remarkable about the NFL. You've got the 32 most powerful people on the planet. You've got 32 of the richest people on the planet. But you know what they're really good at? They care about the brand and the product. They really do. Um, They don't let, I know this is going to sound weird, but they don't let greed get in the way of creating a solid product that then makes money. They really are good at that. They will do anything to continue to give you a good product so they can all make more money. They don't turn on themselves like you would think. You know, it, it is amazing to watch. They really buy in collectively so they can all get wealthier. And it's worked. So I don't know when or how college football gets to that point that all the brands say, listen, we, we, we got we to gotta share the revenue. We gotta, let's make more together instead of you spending like crazy and the rest of us trying to catch up. I don't know when they get there. They act like they're trying right now. So they put together this idea. By the way, before you say, well, Jeff, what's the solution? The solution is, I think if you've listened to me for 15, 20 years, I guarantee you I said it 20 years ago. I said it as a player one time. Everyone's talking about, oh, you guys should get paid. I said, what you should do is we should get a percentage of that TV money is what we should get. There, problem solved. You're crazy, kid. You're crazy. Well, here we are all these years later. You know what? You know what the NFL does? They get a percentage of the TV money. (laughs) The better the show does, the more money they make. They're in showbiz. That's where they're going to have to get. I just don't know if they know how to do it. And I don't know if greed doesn't eat the game of college football that's already not in a very good place anyway, if greed doesn't eat it alive. So what they're just trying to do now, and they're only doing, (laughs) their idea was the NCAA, the governing body, steps in and says, we're hearing a lot of noise. This feels kind of icky. It feels like if we're going to be the Neighborhood Association president, we need to kind of do something about this. So let's do it. So they came in and said, we're going to create a subdivision of the division. So neighborhood association-like. And they really kind of said, we'll leave Texas alone. We'll leave USC alone. We'll leave A&M alone. We'll leave, you know, the haves alone. But you have nots. we got a plan for you. We're going to pull some money together, and then you're going to distribute the money, 
and make sure a lot of it is distributed. I think 30% would be distributed to uh, probably Title IX sports. Now, I don't know how long before the have-nots say, I see. What about them? <laughs> they aren't doing this. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I, I think they're walking down this path. Um, someday, someday, probably pretty soon. And it might, you know what might be the tipping point that pisses everyone off that's not Texas or USC? Look, USC is mediocre at best this year. They got all the money and they can't figure it out. They're a little bit like the Cowboys over the past two decades. They just can't get it right no matter how much they spend. It, if, if Texas turns around and wins a championship, sort of right on the front end of this name, image, and likeness thing, I think it's going to turn the industry on its head. I think they're going to look around and go, Oh, my gosh. They've already won. They bought everybody and already won. Um, and then what? You got an interesting fight set up. That day is coming. I don't know. It could be fast-tracked if Texas were to win. Because in the current market, okay, it's a market for 80, co- 80 teenagers. Got it? Any one of us would jump at the money. You think when you're 17, you really don't jump at the money? Are you kidding? So in a market of going out to sell to 80 teenagers, A&M in Texas and USC should be winning. There's no excuse for them not to be in a Final Four. In fact, the Final Four a year or two from now should be A&M, Texas, and USC. They should buy their way to the Final Four. Anything less would be inexcusable. When it happens, everyone's going to turn on them. Everyone's going to say, that's enough, man. we got to share the money. It's not fair. And then they're going to say, blank you. That's where this is going. So you got the have-nots now have had it dumped on them that they're going to pool their revenue and spread it around because that's the right thing to do. The upper echelon of the rich part of the industry is not having to do that. And then the next level up is super rich, and everyone else is going to get mad at them sooner or later, and it may even start in a month or two. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. I'm sorry laughing when I'm thinking about this, so I'm going to set it up for you. I hope many of you can appreciate it, but if you don't know exactly where I'm talking about, trust me, I can give you a perfect description. Okay? Follow this. We are about to watch and live through one of the most challenging rebranding efforts I can think of. Really. And I think it's pretty admirable. Whether you like the idea or not, I guess we can talk about it. Whether you think it's going to work or not, we can talk about too. But this really is, when you think of rebranding, this one is rebranding. There's a lot of history you're trying to pivot from. You know, urinating, shooting people, vomiting, that kind of stuff. Are you ready for the ultimate rebranding effort? And then you always have to ask yourself, not to sound like a professor here, you have to ask yourself, okay, you want to rebrand for what reason, students? Why? And then what evidence do you have that it's going to work? And what does when it work, when it works, what does that look like? Ask yourself those questions. 
You know, normally I would say, if you've never been to Dirty Sixth Street, I would say you need to go. I'm not going to do that to you, okay? I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I don't. I don't. If you're an adult, uh, you have a date, you have a life, you don't uh, vomit a lot, and you don't beat people up, I, I don't think it's a great idea. Are you ready for it? The rebranding effort is turning Dirty Sixth. That's East Sixth Street, tourists. The home of thousands of young dudes getting hammered, fighting, urinating everywhere, including on each other, and sometimes shooting tourists. There. That place. Can Dirty Sixth, East Sixth Street, be repositioned and sold as? Are you, are you ready for it? A farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, you haven't been. You, you'd laugh, too, if you've been. You'd laugh. You'd laugh out loud with me. Okay? I'm going to try to be serious here. Let's do it again. Rebranded and repositioned as a farmer's market, an outdoor concert series area, and, in quotations, community events. Yes, because you know what the community events are now? Vomiting on another shirtless dude who doesn't have a date. That's the community events right now. And there's about 40,000 of them. All right, now you're going to say, well, Jeff, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with turning East 6th Street, 36, into a farmer's market, an outdoor concert series, and a community events? Um, I, I don't know things wrong with it. Uh, are you going to go? The hipsters and Gen Xers, the Austin Business Journal did a story about this today. And it is, this is an admirable, well, I don't know. I, I guess it's admirable. What words would you like to use for this investment? The group that's going to do this is investing 500 to $750 million. That usually means you better get it right. You better get it right. And this is not easy. You're laughing a lot right now. It's not easy. And I, I think it does... And you're going to laugh at this part. I'm going to try to be somewhat serious. I think it does come with some risk. It may not work. But then again, it might. I mean, it might be a complete home run. And I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know how you get rid of. I don't know how you get rid of those dudes. How do you run them off? I mean, I, they're dateless. They're drunk. So, all right. The hipsters and the Gen Xers shopping for local produce. You better get out of there before the 19-year-old dudes roll in shirtless, hammered out of their mind, urinating everywhere, fighting, and every now and then shooting each other. And tell me right now if I'm wrong in that description. Tell, I dare you to tell me I'm wrong in that description. Is there something I'm leaving out about the dudes? Um, those guys are not in the market, I have to tell you, for fresh produce. I, mean, I don't think so. You know what they do? They throw up everywhere. You don't believe me? Get there about 11 o'clock and smell. The Austin Business Journal reports today that Stream Properties, I think it's what it's called, is going to spend between 500 and $750 million on the rebranding and the development. It's not the first time this has been floated. This has been talked about for many, many years, just so you know. Uh, I know 99% of you are not from here, but there was a time, I, 
you know, in some ways he was right. In a lot of, no, in many ways he was a visionary. Kirk Watson is the current mayor of Austin. Most 99% of people don't know that either and don't care. When he was mayor the first time, a lot of us, myself included, made fun of him when he said, you know, he was one of the, I'm not going to say he was one of the first, but the idea of more people living in downtown Austin was something talked about. It was a vision. Okay. If you grew up here, which is the point zero 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 one percent of us, you thought, well, no way, man, that's not going to happen. But it did. It did. I remember him saying one. I remember him saying one time that he knew that the the migration to downtown, which of course has happened, it's nothing but rich people now, right? Just like the whole city. Um, he said one time he knew that the that the city had changed when people are pushing strollers down Sixth Street. No, okay, that would be a really bad idea, unless you've got the gun in there. Um, but this group is going to sink $750 million into this rebranding and development and all that stuff. Um, most of you don't take your shirt off, uh, when you go out, um, you don't do shots. I mean, shots, like in jello shots, you don't fight, you don't urinate on other people. So you don't understand this. In fact, if you're above the age of 21 and have a significant other, you've never even been near Dirty Sixth Street. You have no idea what I'm talking about. It's another world, and it should be, because if you are a human being that has clothes, has a job, and has a significant other, there's no reason for you to be there. Because if you go there, someone's going to throw up on you or urinate on you. Okay? Um, so you don't quite understand how significant this pivot is. I mean, this is a real... I know nothing about real estate, so I don't know how you pull this off. Um, I don't know when the farmer's market is leaving, but you better get out of there before dark. That would be my advice. So if you're above the age of 22, you have a date, you don't like the smell of vomit and urine, um, how do you rebrand this to families and Gen Xers Shopping for locally sourced produce. How? That's not a small task. I'm here to tell you that is really ambitious. Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Gen Xers, right? You're in your Birkenstocks. You parked your uh, Subaru. Okay? And then you got some hipsters who, uh, you know, want to pretend they're eating well. And... You need to get them to show up. They don't even know where Dirty Sixth is right now. And then you got to, first of all, you got to get rid of the stench, which is probably 40 years in the making. Okay, that's gonna, that's a project. That's a $100 million project right there. Somebody's got to go down there and say, you got to do a focus group of Gen Xers and hipsters who want to shop for locally sourced food and say, please tell us what we need to do first. And I guarantee you the entire focus group says, could you get rid of the urine and the vomit smell? Okay, so I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, it, they're going to do it. They're going to try, and they better get it right. I thought about this, too. I thought, you know, financially, is it a great idea? I'm not talking about the group investing in this. I'm talking about the city itself. You know, because what has happened over time, you know, when I went to college, that's where you went to go out. As ugly as it was and dirty as it was, it was a mixture of people that aren't trying to fight and urinate on each other with people that did have dates. And it was a mix. 
There's a lot of people in one place. But over time, if you have a job and a life and you don't urinate on someone else, you go somewhere else. You haven't been anywhere near the place. So it's really been segmented. And for all I know, you can sell plenty of jello shots down there. I mean, it's probably... I mean, I don't know if I run a business if I want you to run off my Jello shot and customers. What are the the hipsters going to come here? What some tea? I mean, right? I mean, I, I the margins are in the alcohol, correct? Okay, just saying. Are you sure this is the way to go? Because those Gen Xers aren't going to be there at eleven, and they're not going to pay for the uh, expensive Jello shots that I know of. So, I don't know. Good idea? I mean, bad idea? Would you invest? Would you buy in? How would you pivot? How would you get this to pivot? I will say this. If there is, because there's probably an argument to be made and probably happening right now, a group saying and business owners saying, look, I'm perfectly fine selling jello shots. That's what we do down here. I know one group that is really that there will be a pivot to farmer's market, and that would be the police. That is arguably the most thank- thankless job I can think of. I, I cannot imagine. You you never, for all the bad stuff that happens on Dirty Six, and sadly stuff does. Tourists get shot. It's It ends badly sometimes. There's never a moment when you can say it's a lack of police. They're everywhere. I mean, if they weren't everywhere, who knows what would happen? What a nightmare. I can't think of anything worse than having to be down there every single week dealing with those knuckleheads. Really. So I'm sure they're thrilled with this. But I don't know. I mean, a lot of us have memories. It's sort of, um, sort of, we have memories, kind of. It's foggy. Uh, It's ugly. But, you know, if you get rid of the idiot tourists... If you get rid of the idiots who come in from 30 miles away, if you get rid of the bachelorette parties, is that really a good idea? I mean, I'm honestly asking. You know what the farmer's market crowd is not going to do? Or there for community events or whatever that means exactly. (laughs) Can you imagine somebody down there this weekend saying, yeah, you guys got to clear out now. We've got a community event coming up. Farmer's market is coming in. The farmer's market crowd, you know what it's not doing? They're not buying a half dozen Jello shots and a slice of pizza on the street. Pretty sure of that. Can that thing, the whole vibe of it, the whole history of it, all the stench of it, everything many of us have come to know, know, at some level kind of embrace, I guess. I mean, it is a tourist thing. It is. There's no denying that. There's money spent. Real money. Dumb money. My favorite stupid Sixth Street story is every year or two. I think it was last <laughs> last summer. There are not many things to me dumber than a bachelorette party going to Dirty Sixth. Okay, that just feels like the dumbest thing. I don't know who steered you there. But just to show <laughs> was it last summer <laughs> that the bachelorette party, of course, found a bat... It happens. Happens all the happens all the time. And said bachelorette party decided to lick the bat. <laughs> I thought, here is the moment of 36. Like, if you could just put like a little thought bubble to Sixth Street, a bunch of hammered 
Batsarette girls <laughs> licking a bat is like the best thing I can think of. I don't know how it ended. Sorry. But now, am I right? Am I not right? This is the most ambitious rebranding effort you could think of. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. You better like that, kid. Oh, I should have known. I just looked at Twitter and, uh, you know what? The first few tweets or X's or whatever we're supposed to call them right now, you've not disappointed. You have been snarky. You've been mean-spirited. You've been rude. And you've been pretty funny. Pretty well played. How could you not be funny when the setup is Jeff Ward talking about rebranding East 6th Street and finishing it with the ultimate positioning statement of a bachelorette party licking a bat? Right? That should be a show by itself. (laughs) It's terrible to laugh about that, Jeff. You know, it's really not, actually. It's really not. I, um... Through the years, there have been plenty of uh, bat-licking stories. Not many bachelorette parties, though. That's what 6th Street will do to you, though. That's Apparently, that's what it will do to you. All right, here we go. Some of the tweets. At Jeff Ward Show, you haven't lived until you risk your life for some local honey. It makes the tea hit different. All right. <laughs> at, Jeff, at Jeff Ward Show, bachelorette's licking bat should be the first community event to kick off the rebranding. <laughs> I, I should provide details. I don't have any. I just, I'm stuck in the laughable moment of reading a little blurb, right? The whole bat licking thing has historically been. Well, let, me, let me give you an honest, Let me give you a local perspective for a second of two things that aren't. I'm not going to say reported, but, but they're, they're, they're understated. People drowning in Town Lake. It happens far more than you know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lady Bird Lake. Is there another name this week? I don't know. Um, I, I can't even tell you, unfortunately, how many times through the years that I've been running only to see paramedics out there dragging somebody out. So that, that, that's historically been, I'm not going to say intentionally under, underreported, but it's just, it's not. You don't hear about it as often as you think in the bat licking stuff or bat whatever. Whatever you do, touching it happens more than you realize always trust me on this kids always a bad idea i mean i've not exactly been the sharpest at times downtown and growing up here and even i knew growing up whatever you do don't pick up the bats but you know some liquored up 22 year old from wisconsin doesn't know just like that stupid 22 year old from wisconsin doesn't know maybe a life jacket would be a good idea when it's 105 uh, at Jeff Ward Show, there's not enough bleach in the world to clean up the assortment of bodily fluids, parentheses, urine, vomit, blood, you know the rest. Bodily fluids caked. <laughs> the details of this are really stellar. 
There's not enough bleach in the world to clean up the assortment of bodily fluids caked into the intersection between Maggie Mays, Boardwalk Beach Club, Steamboat, and Toulouse. Oh, boy. Yeah. Those places are still there, right? Question mark. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. I hear you, though. I, I can tell you I know exactly where you're talking about. Exactly. And yes, you're right. It really is. I mean, you'd have to, we'd almost have to tear up the street to get rid of the bodily fluids. What's still there, Isaac? All of that? It's not yeah, Maggie Mays is still there. Maggie Mays is still there. Okay. Steamboat? No. No way. Toulouse? You're talking to somebody who works downtown, so obviously say, in my free time, I never go there. Right. Yeah, I, mean, I figured I could ask you, man. Um, I don't I don't know. Like, anyone who grew up here, you're sitting here think, saying the same thing right now. I don't even know the last time I was down there. It was an accident, that's for sure. For sure. Uh, but you're right. That intersection is the epicenter of urine and vomit. It's like Bourbon Street. Yeah. It's caked into the pavement. It's caked in the pavement. It's exactly right. And I'm not trying to get righteous. I Look, I've been in that intersection plenty of times. Trust me, okay? I'm not proud of it. At Jeff Ford Show, is part of the plan to get rid of the bars on Dirty Six for this rebranding? I, I, I don't know. Um, I can tell you this. I mean, I, I, I would think, well... You don't have, you're buying up the property and you're going to turn it into whatever you want. That's your business. But if my business is to sell jello shots, I'm really not looking forward to you bringing in the farmer's market crowd. I'm sorry. Right? I mean, I think there's real, this is no joke, I think there's real economic impact to this. There's bartenders, there's people that work, I mean, my gosh, it is a real job to work the door at these places. Are you kidding me? I don't know. If it works, what does it look like? I mean, what can it look like? Can you imagine? Look, $750 million, you better get it right. <laughs> Man, you had better get it right. I will say this, though. There was this moment that uh, you, know, you find these, like, these sort of pivotal moments in the changing of Austin and I know people hate, I know what you're going to say. 99% are going to say, you old Austin, I just shut up with your whining. Well, you shut up. Let me whine for a second. There are these moments that I can think about in my lifetime where you said, wow, that's changed. Wow, that's different. And I tell you the one that I think I could argue today is the, is the pivotal moment that, all, that I knew all of downtown and the music industry was well on its way to changing completely. And this is not even this is not even South Congress going from hookers and drug deals to a Hermes shop. Okay, that's completely reinvented. I'm talking about there was a moment. I'm pretty sure I was on the radio, so let's say it's got to be close to 20 years. Condo tower residents started complaining about the noise. Okay. And I remember like 99% of the audience said, yeah, yeah, screw off. You know, to us, that's like a foreign concept. You don't turn the music down. Not, not, that's, what are you doing? And they won. 
So, and I don't remember which condo tower it was, but they had petitioned the city to turn the music down at a certain point, you know, because they were living above a club, right? But they had petitioned the city for the music to be turned down. I can't remember which downstairs bar it was. It was, you know, it's gone, of course, like everything else. But, and they won. And I said, hey, everybody, life's changing now. All this stuff about save the music industry, let me tell you, when it left, then, right then, because that's when a 54-year-old executive of a tech company who wants to look and sound cool said, please turn the music down and won. That was the difference. And it's never, it's never turned back. Um, so, I know, you're going to say, oh, you old people, just get off my lawn, Austinites. I know, I know. At Jeff Ward Show, will the new 6th Street have green tea bars rather than jello shot bars? I'm not investing in that either. At Jeff Ward Show, Texas wealthy alumni are jock sniffers. Cal wealthy alumni have better things to do. It's hard for me to argue. I mean, it really is. I mean, when you think about college football today and, and what it is, it's not, this is not the player's fault, okay? Handing cash and cars to a player, and that's what you do with your money. You don't get anything back on that. You know that, right? You don't, there's not, I mean, if you go pay a guy, if you go pay Dak Prescott, you get something back. You go give cash to fill in the blank running back, fill in the blank wide receiver. That's not an investment. That's just a handout. It's just a weird and sort of icky thing to do with your money. Now, people donate, you know, that's why colleges want graduates because they want the money donated back. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, that's why colleges want you to do well because you'll give money back. But you typically give money back to something that gives money back. Something that gives something back. I have to say, as a football player myself in the day, there's nothing I really gave you back. We just play. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird mindset. And I think the mindset of these wealthy people, this is not this is not new, trust me. I was around plenty of jock sniffers that had a lot of money. And it was nice to be out. The drinks were free. But Here's their mindset. They want ownership. It is their, once they start to give enough money and get access, it's theirs. And they like that. It's sort of like being an NFL owner without really being an NFL owner. It's the closest thing many of these people can get to owning their own franchise. And a lot of them mean well and keep their hands off. Not all do, though. Not all do. And the more they hand out money, the more right they have to say, hey, look, I get to hang around. This is my place. <laughs> you know, you wouldn't have that kid if it wasn't for me, and they'd be right. So it is an icky relationship. Bob Stoops, head coach at Oklahoma, which I've always wondered why in the world did that guy just walk away? It's rare that you find a coach who just walks away when they're not in trouble or when they're winning. And he, you know, here's a guy, Bob Stoops, who left Oklahoma at the peak of his game. And I just assumed something had gone horribly wrong. He's going to get in trouble. Something, you know, nobody walks away from that kind of gig. And he did. And I never really heard him talk about why he did it until the last six months or so. You know what he did? He leaves Oklahoma and he doesn't go to the NFL. He doesn't just, you know, cash in like a Jimbo Fisher and go wherever. 
he ended up going to coach on two different startup leagues, both of which went under. And he gave the most interesting and honest answer a few months ago when I read an interview with him. And he said, I couldn't coach in college again. I mean, it's all about kissing ass and handing some kid a bunch of money. I don't want to micro. I don't want to micromanage a teenager anymore. I certainly want to micromanage a rich guy barking at me. And I thought, yeah, that would suck. There's a point at which you're good at what you do, but part of what you do is have an answer to those dudes who've given the money, because else you wouldn't have that quarterback. And that quarterback, by the way, is going to answer to them. And uh, he gave a really honest assessment how he just couldn't do it anymore. He couldn't handle it. Didn't want any part of it. And especially when you're good at what you do. I can kind of see, it's rare that I would sympathize with a coach, but I can see his position. And it, it made a lot of sense. It really did. Now, I know people are going to say, well, what if I were, if you were Jimbo Fisher, you'd take it too. Well, of course. But what Stoops was trying to say is, look, I want to do my job. I want to manage my program. And now that's gotten away from you. You have an answer to somebody else, even more so than you used to. A uh, Nobel Prize uh, is handed out now. Here it is, Nobel Prize that's not going to Donald Trump for the first time in, what, three years, two or three years? How many has Trump won now, two or three? Wow, this is impressive work here. This is, this is, what, uh, this is what you get tenure to do, young people. Wow. Owning a nice car does make you more attractive. There you go, there's the Nobel Prize. Having a premium vehicle increases the owner's allure to the opposite sex. Not guys. Guys don't care. Guys don't care. Stop it. Let's stop pretending a guy cares what kind of car she drives. A guy doesn't care if she's Jack the Ripper. Having a premium vehicle increases the owner's allure to the opposite sex and makes them believe they are socially superior. Ugh. Okay. Well... Is that not the Nobel Prize? I mean, is it not signed and sealed, done, that they've discovered? Did they pull any men? Were there any dudes in this group? Because, how do we say this politely? He doesn't care what car she gets out of. You know that, right? He doesn't care. He really doesn't care. Apparently, she cares. For all the times people say, we don't care, it doesn't matter, apparently it does. It does. Okay. I mean, and it matters to the person apparently with a nice car. They feel better about themselves. Until you pay, of course, but yeah. Someone got paid for that study. How'd you pull that off? How did you pull that off? Show picture. I remember if you were in college, take a college psychology class, you have to do those certain experiments you have to sign up for, right? And they're always kind of lame. Um, I'm thinking no dude signed up for this. That's what I, that's my guess. Somebody actually proved the great mystery of our life that if it looks, if you act and look like you're wealthy, she might believe you're wealthy. And that matters. Shocking. All right, the phone number is 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027 on Twitter it's or X or whatever it is, at Jeff Ward Show. Think about this uh, this weekend. I, I'm trying, I go back and forth on how big of a game it is for Dallas and Philadelphia. 
Um, so Philadelphia is limping in to Dallas. Dallas is fresh. I mean, they couldn't be playing any better. Arguably the hottest team in the NFL right now, especially at home. It does more. Winning does more for which team? Um, because Philadelphia wins, they're, they're, they've got home. They're going to get home field advantage. They're going to win the East. Got it. Um, Philadelphia wins. What does that really do to Dallas? Because Dallas is probably then going to get a five seed. Almost, some would say, almost no matter what. I'm not quite sure. I believe that if Dallas were to win, so I don't know that it makes Dallas crater. But some people are going to debate with a Dallas win. Does Philadelphia start to crater? Does it sort of set them into a spiral? I, I don't think it does, but I, I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out. Right? A win means more for which team? Because it's not a must-have for either one of them. I mean, they, they either one of them can look at it and say a loss, and I, I'm going to end up where I'm going to end up no matter what. But... I think a lot of people are going to read into it that two losses in a row, especially if it goes badly. I mean, Philadelphia just got their ass handed to them. Is that just because they were tired and they bounce back, or do they get their ass handed to them twice and it really starts to set them off? And does it take Dallas to another level? Or does it knock down? Because I can see on Monday, I can hear it now. Philadelphia goes into Dallas and beats Dallas. The narrative is going to be this. Okay, okay, now everything's right again. Philadelphia was just tired. They got San Francisco at the best time for San Francisco. That happens. And then the other part of that narrative is going to be, see, the Cowboys are pretenders. See, see, told you. All they had to do was play anybody good, and they'd be, they would be put back in their place. I think the negative, on, the negative narrative on Dallas will be huge if they get beat. But I also think the negative reaction to Philadelphia will be huge if they get beat. I cost Jalen Hurts the MVP if they lose. And it might cost them home field if they lose. And if they lose, it certainly means you're going to end up going through San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, either way, either the winner of Sunday is still going to be faced with the prospect of having to go through San Francisco to get to the Super Bowl. So it's a there's there's a lot there's a lot to read into Sunday. A lot for both sides, really. Can the team that's super hot keep it up? And what does it make you think of them on Monday? And the team that just got their face kicked in, can they rebound and be exactly what we thought they were before? And that is the, that is the ultimate closer. Or do people start to say the Eagles are pretenders? I mean, it's a, it's a huge game just because it's two of the four best teams in football, period. But it also, I think an argument can be made, it sets the course for the entire playoffs. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN.